Hello and welcome to episode number 95 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B-Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about law and order. Not that old television show, but the concept in general. It's a line that I've seen President Trump tweet a few different times lately. Of course, has gotten a variety of different responses to that, but I thought it was important to kind of take a look at law and order and what that really means to us in our day-to-day lives, especially here in the United States of America that is a country built upon laws and having laws without order, well, those two go together for a reason kind of like bacon and eggs, kind of like peanut butter and jelly. You have laws, you need order. Otherwise, having laws without order, I mean, this is kind of what's going on in the United States, and I do believe there's a concerted effort behind that. As we've talked about in the past, these Marxist groups that are out there doing their thing want lawlessness, and they don't want order. But Let's just look at this from a bunch of different levels back from the time we're kids and we're growing up, no matter what culture you're in, no matter what part of the world you're in. I think the experience is fairly similar. There is law and order in your home when you're a kid. Your parents have rules and they expect you to follow them. Quite often, they say things like, as long as you're living under my roof, you're going to do what I tell you. Even if you think their rules are idiotic, they have that ability to force those rules upon you because you're an idiot kid. You don't have a job. You can't make your own money quite yet. So you have to learn how to live within a system of law and order. There's really nothing wrong with that. That's the way the system is supposed to work. We have issues in families that don't have fathers, which a lot of people point to as one of the reasons there may be a lot more crime in the black community in the United States. That may or may not be true. There's much better experts that can speak to those things than I can. But I can tell you, as a kid, if I did something wrong, I was way more afraid of my dad than my mom. Even though my mom would pick up the wooden spoon, occasionally that would scare me a bit. I'd go running, and at some point, the wooden spoon didn't scare me, and that's when another phase of life entered, because then my mom was like, okay, now I can't really use this as a way to enforce the laws and to keep order. But learning about law and order is a very important thing if you want to live in a civilized society, because really, after you grow up a little bit, You go off to school. And when you get to school, the teachers, principal, whoever else is running the school, they have their own set of rules. You know, why do you follow those? Because if you don't follow the rules, there will be punishment. You'll get suspended. You'll get detention. I mean, if you went to a Catholic school back in the day, you might get a ruler across your knuckles, but law and order. If you didn't follow the laws, there was going to be a punishment. And if that is what kept the order, what kept the order? Do the laws keep the order? No, the punishment keeps the order. Same thing with your parents. 
Same thing with the schools. Same thing in life in general. If you have laws in order to have order, somebody must actually be enforcing the laws in the home. It's your parents or maybe a big brother and sister if you have one. And in the schools, it's the teachers, the principal, whoever runs that. But we learn as children that if you don't follow these particular rules, there will be punishment. And because of the punishment, we follow the rules overall. I mean, it's good to just want to be a good kid. But I mean, every one of us, I think, has a little bit of that mischievous side to us. And we need the reason to be kept in line, at least at all the times. I've spoken about it on Random Thoughts, I believe, or maybe it was Grumpy Old Ben's about a particular teacher I had at my all-boys Catholic high school that did not have the respect of the students, would not do anything beyond threatening punishment, and as such, the kids ran over him like he was nothing. And the classes broke down into complete and utter anarchy. Because if there is no stick, if there is no punishment at the end, all the laws in the world aren't going to mean anything. So Trump tweeting out law and order, of course, he gets a bunch of snarky responses from a lot of the idiots on the left and some of the idiots on the right with things like, oh, you like to watch old TV shows, huh, Donnie? I mean, that does nothing to show your understanding of the world around you, the people that post that kind of stuff, because law and order is essential in the United States or in any country if the civilization, if the society is going to last. We need the police. We need a system in place where people understand They cannot do bad things and get away with it because law without the order, without anybody there to police, without anybody there to enforce the laws, whether you want to call them the police or something else. If nobody's enforcing the laws, chances are nobody's following the laws and anarchy will rule because the people that want to do bad things, the people that want to do nefarious things know there's no bite at the end. There's no punishment at the end. They're going to do what they want. And you're seeing that run rampant in cities like Chicago and New York. New York especially, the uptick is amazing. Now that a couple of changes have been made, including the disbanding of the violent crimes unit. (laughs) I mean, it's New York. They thrive on violent crime. So you get rid of the violent crimes unit and you have a mayor that is a communist. You have a governor that signed off on a bill that doesn't require bail when people commit crimes, which means in New York. And I know we've talked about this before as well. You can punch somebody in the face, get arrested for it. 20 minutes later, be back out of the street, punch somebody else in the face, get arrested for it. 20 minutes later, be back out of the street, punch somebody else in the face. It's going to be a carousel of anarchy because you're going to keep getting let out because there's no bail. And then these people that run these cities want to know why crime is going up. The answer seems to me to be pretty damn obvious. Anybody that has a little bit of logic, anybody that has a little bit of common sense can see 
exactly why New York is turning quickly into a cesspool lawless jungle, because you have leaders and put that in air quotes, please. You have leaders that refuse to enforce the law of the land. And the law of the land is important unless you want anarchy. What we have, though, when it comes to what's going on in the society now, thanks to the Internet and social media, is a whole new set of law and order concepts which have turned into the cancel culture, which is allowing the insane mob to go after and cancel people for saying things that they don't like has really no bearing upon if what the people are saying is true. As long as somebody comes out and says, oh, my God, I'm triggered or, oh, my God, that's 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 racist, that's sexist, that's homophobic. You're going to get swept under the rug on these social media sites as fast as can be. And there is no law and order when it comes to that, because there is no jury. There is no court system. There is no trial when you do something on Twitter or Facebook or wherever it is. You don't get a chance to defend yourself. A big corporation who's put a bunch of social justice warriors in charge of these things in most cases are just going to flip a button and make you disappear. And there's not a damn thing that you can do about it. There are some sites that have popped up that are trying to be different, whether it's Gab or Parler or something like that, but they all end up going down the same road and having the same issues. And I think the bottom line is people are just dicks and there's nothing you can really do about it except to allow the freedom of speech wherever you go. But even then, it's impossible to stop the mob rule. And if the mob says you're bad, you're bad, you're going to be canceled and they'll stop it. Nothing to hurt you, to hurt your family, to make your life a living hell. If you have a job, they'll try to go after that. If you are somebody in the media, they'll try to go after your advertisers or anything. And we're seeing this now with the Ellen DeGeneres story, which is interesting to me because Ellen in the public eye, at least, has always been Teflon. She's always been somebody that, oh, everybody likes, no matter what. And a lot of this has happened since she dared to sit in the same luxury box at some football game, wasn't it, with George W. Bush, and admitted afterwards when people were like, oh, my God, how did you punch that Nazi in the face? And she came out and said, I have a bunch of friends. Of a bunch of different political leanings. I have a bunch of different friends that are totally different than me and believe different things, but it doesn't mean we can't all be friends. And by God, that kind of a dangerous attitude, Ellen. We can't have that in 2020. Cancel culture does not allow somebody to stand up, even somebody that, you know, just a few years ago, Ellen would have been the poster child because, you know, the whole lesbian thing. But now, yeah, I mean, that's so like 20 years ago, it almost seems, Ellen, you're not a protected class anymore. You're just a lesbian. I mean, you're not even black. You're not you're don't you're not transgender. You are just not as woke as the rest of the world, Ellen. So you 
are being targeted at this point. It's interesting because it's seemingly one current employee and like 10 previous employees going after. And you can make the case that they're previously employed by Ellen and left because Ellen was such a jerk. Or the case could be made that maybe they were fired because they were bad at their jobs and now they're pissed off. Because again, the people that cover the news on this kind of stuff, like BuzzFeed, they're not going to check into the stories. Do you think they're really going to get down to the heart of the matter? Do you think they're really going to get down to the truth? I would say no. But who am I? I'm just a dumb, tall, white podcaster. But the people that are claiming Ellen has done bad things, I mean, I went and looked into this because I was curious. Not a fan of Ellen. I have never really watched her show. But, you know, I'm aware of who Ellen DeGeneres is and never really thought anything negative about her. And I was curious on what could be taking down Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, we thought everybody liked her. And here are the few stories that I found. And none of these seem to have any proof behind them whatsoever. Let me just throw a few of them out here for you. A black woman that worked for Ellen said she was belittled and the victim of microaggressions. I hate that word, microaggressions. Because someone told her they might mistake her for another employee who also had a box braids hairstyle. So, ooh, I guess telling somebody that you look like someone else is a microaggression or racist. I don't know how that's true, but I guess if you're really sensitive, you can infer these kind of things. I mean, if somebody told me, oh, gee, hell, uh, you're another six foot tall white guy. I hope we don't uh, confuse you with Adam Curry. I mean, I would be like, oh, racist. No, no, wait, I wouldn't because it makes no sense. Making a comment that somebody has a similar look to another employee is not racist. It's not. There's nothing about it that's racist. There's nothing about it that's a microaggression. But these morons in this woke society that have been told they get a trophy no matter what they do and that their special little snowflakes have no clue of the reality of the world. And when somebody dare just says they look like somebody else, oh my God, they're a victim. It's not true. Idiots. She also said a top writer told her, and now this was one of my favorite lines, that a top writer on the show, I mean, not Ellen, but a top writer on the show told her, Now, I only remember white employees' names. Now, that would be racist, if true. They don't mention who the writer is. There's no other corroboration to this story. But if this was true, I'd go along with you and say, if you were an employee and somebody in a power of position of authority said that to you, you should have gone to HR and you should have reported that. And if there were other people, as she claimed, that heard it, that did nothing to defend her. I don't know what you needed to be defended for there. If anything, the guy needed to be told. I mean, hey, dude, you can't say stuff like that. That's ignorant. But of course, there's nobody backing up this story. And again, it's not Ellen saying this. It's just somebody that worked for the show, a writer. She also says when she brought up issues of race and representation on the show, and asked the producers not to use offensive terms like spirit animal in segments. Her colleagues called her the PC police. Well, 
You see, that kind of seems like it would make sense because if you're upset by terms even like spirit animal and saying that's offensive, then you are the PC police and you don't deserve to have a job on a television show because you don't understand the world around you again. I've heard the term spirit animal many, many times. Seen it in Star Trek. It's a big part of Voyager. One of the characters has a spirit animal. It's a big part of his character. Don't see anything offensive about it. Don't see anything racist about it. Have never. And if you do, you could reach out to me. And let me know what I'm missing here. But so you, we have an employee here who is obviously a little bit sensitive at the best, perhaps making up stories. I mean, again, the whole having a top writer say he only believes white employees names. That would be horrible, and I would hope that would be taken care of if true. But obviously, she was somebody that caused a whole lot of problems while doing her job because she's even complaining about things like, oh, my God, you said spirit animal. How can you use that on the show? It's offensive. Well, what's not offensive then? The only way to do a talk show or a podcast in any way, shape or form that's not going to be offensive to anyone is to release five minutes of silence every day. And hell, that's going to be offensive to people who don't like silence. So it's really a no-win situation. As long as we're communicating, we're going to be offending people. And that's okay. It's okay to be offended. A lot of people over the years have listened to talk radio because they enjoy being offended. I know that to be a fact because I know people listened to Rush Limbaugh for years and then just dispute how much they hated what he said. So, I mean, if you're listening, and you hate what the person says, that's okay with me, too. If you're listening to this podcast and you think I'm a moron and you hate everything I'm saying, but I am so engaging that you still have to listen to the show, that means I'm doing something right. And Rush has been doing something right for a whole long time. There's no doubt about that. But this particular employee, I'm not really putting a whole lot of faith into Ellen being a racist jerk who supports a like totally mean and uh, uncaring culture around the show because somebody told her she looked like somebody else and had the same hairstyle and told her that spirit animal is okay and not offensive don't get it don't understand it at all one of the other people that they pulled out of the woodwork to speak bad about ellen was a dutch transgender beauty youtuber because i mean when you're going when you're going for the real kill shot, I always go for the uh, 25-year-old Dutch transgender beauty YouTuber. This girl or guy, girl, guy. I mean, it's so it's confusing, this transgender stuff. Her name, Nikki Tutorials, talked about her experience of being on the Ellen Show. I mean, let's forget the fact that she was flown out to do the Ellen Show. I mean, let's just totally forget about that. And she was given time on The Ellen Show. I mean, let's totally forget about that. A YouTuber getting on The Ellen Show, but wasn't happy with her experience. She says, I was, I was greeted by an angry intern who was a bit overworked. I expected a Disney show, but I got a Teletubbies after dark. Okay, first of all, I totally watch Teletubbies after dark. That sounds like an awesome show. I'm imagining it in my mind right now, and I'm trying not to go completely off the rails because Teletubbies after dark 
man, that would be a million dollar idea. Maybe that is the exit strategy I should be going for. But this person that came in to do the show, forgetting the fact that she's actually being given time on the show, was flown in to do the show, is angry that she was greeted by an overworked intern. I mean, who did she expect? Did you expect Ellen herself to pick you up at the airport? Maybe buy you a cappuccino on the way in. I mean, I don't know. Do you not know how Hollywood works? Perhaps not. But there has to be more to the story, right? And there is. The story gets much worse. Nikki Tutorials tells us all that Ellen didn't even say hello to her when she got to the show or was in the green room waiting. I mean, how horrible is that? And then she said the negative experience didn't stop there. No, no, no. She felt like she was treated very differently from the show's other guests who were given a full VIP experience. In fact, she said she wasn't even allowed her own toilet and that she was banned from using the one closest to her dressing room because it was reserved for those evil Jonas brothers. I mean, yeah, I hate those guys. They were on the same episode, I guess. Quote from her is, every guest at Ellen had a private toilet, but I didn't. I couldn't even use the closest toilet to me because it was reserved for the Jonas Brothers. They were allowed. I wasn't. Well, they're the Jonas Brothers, and you're a YouTuber that nobody really knows. So that might be why you're treated a little bit differently. Was there a bathroom that you could use? And if there was, why are you complaining? Because you didn't get the same treatment. See, this is socialism coming back. This is unknown YouTuber up against the Jonas Brothers, who I don't really enjoy their work at all, but I know they were on a Disney show. I know they do music and I know they're considered stars for whatever reason. And of course, they're going to be treated differently. You dumbass. You aren't the Jonas Brothers. If you build a career and you become richer and famouser and then more people know you, you'll get your own bathroom. That's the way the world works. Not everybody gets a private bathroom. But these are the kind of stories that are going around about Ellen. So it's obvious that she's a horrible, horrible person and her show will probably be canceled and she'll never be allowed in polite society ever again. Because the cancel culture is real. And if they're going to do this to one of the left's former icons in Ellen DeGeneres, I mean, hey, if you're in the center or on the right, my God, man, they're coming for you. There's no question about that. And then there's the story of John Cass. He is a Chicago legend, writer for the Chicago Tribune, a total rag at this point. And he's been their guy. He's been their number one columnist, opinion guy, been on page two for as long as I can remember. But he's the reason a lot of people buy the paper, including my dad. And I talked with my mom this morning about this, and she had no idea what had been going on behind the scenes, because, of course, the media in Chicago isn't really telling this story. But I informed her why the John Cass column is not where it used to be. And she said, you know what? I've been looking every morning. She gets the Chicago Tribune. I don't know why she still subscribes. Don't give your money to these people anymore, mom. I keep telling her. But she does. My dad likes to read the sports and John Cass. She's like, when the paper comes in, I'll take out the John Cass column and the sports and leave that for him. And lately, haven't been able to find the John Cass column. That's because it's buried because he's evil. He is very evil. He dared to call out George Soros as funding people like Kim Fox, 
the district attorney here in the Chicago area, as you've heard that name before, if you follow the Jesse Smollett case at all. And he pointed out in these cities where violence is a real problem, how much money George Soros has put in to getting district attorneys, mayors, and other politicians elected who are very soft on crime. There's a correlation. He's absolutely right. We've talked about it many a time here already, and he's absolutely right. So he called out George Soros, but of course, that meant he was an anti-Semite. <laughs> I saw this first on Twitter with my buddy Matt Dubiel, who runs WCKG here in Chicago, pointing to a guy, Daniel Summers, MD, who had tweeted out to the Chicago Tribune and John Cass, quote, I don't know who on your editorial board still doesn't appear to understand this, but reference to, quote, Soros, end quote, is a barely veiled anti-Semitic trope, and it's shameful that you would publish this. I don't know if this moron, Daniel Summers, MD, who in his little bio says he is a homosexual pediatrician that loves to swear. I mean, that seems like a great combination, Danny boy. but. Saying the word Soros is not a barely veiled anti-Semitic trope. He's a guy. Do you not know that? And if you do, then you're a bigger moron because George Soros is a guy. He exists. He does everything John Cass said. And just because you don't like it, just because Soros is Jewish doesn't mean it's anti-Semitic to point out that he's an asshole. I will applaud John Cass for not backing down as his article today which is july 29th the headline is what happened to an america where you could freely speak your mind and he starts the angry left-handed broom of america's cultural revolution uses fear to sweep through our civic corporate and personal life it brings with it attempted intimidation shame and the usual demands for ceremonies of public groveling it is happening in newsrooms in New York, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, and now it's coming for me in an attempt to shame me into silence. He goes on and explains exactly what happened last week, violence spiking around the country. He wrote a column about lawlessness. In response, the Tribune Newspapers Union, the Chicago Tribune Guild, which I have repeatedly and politely declined to join, Cass says, wrote an open letter to management defaming me, falsely accusing me of religious bigotry and fomenting conspiracy theories. Since the newspaper management has decided not to publicly engage with the union, Cass says, I will. And he goes on, lays out all the facts on why everything he said in his article is absolutely correct how he mentioned Soros, but he never mentions his ethnicity or religion. So, I mean, this is the same thing. Every time somebody mentions Trump, well, it's because you're anti, what is he, Catholic? I don't even know what Trump, I think he's Christian. So um, there you go. You must be anti-Christian if you say anything bad about Trump, if you're using the same logic that these people are, that bringing up Soros means you're absolutely anti-Semitic. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. But that's the way it is with the left today. Cass finishes his article off by saying, so it seems that the general attitude in journalism is that super PACs and dark money are bad, unless, of course, they're operated by wealthy billionaires of the left. 
Then they're praised and courted. All of this against the backdrop of America divided into camps between those who think they can freely speak their minds and those who know they can't. Most people subjected to cancel culture don't have a voice. They're afraid. They have no platform. When they're shouted down, they're expected to grovel. After the groveling comes social isolation. Then they are swept away. But I, John Cass writes, have a newspaper column. As a columnist and political reporter, I have given some 35 years of my life to the Chicago Tribune, even more if you count my time as an eager Tribune copy boy. And over this time, readers know that I have shown respect to my profession, to colleagues, and to this newspaper. Agree with me or not, and isn't that the point of a newspaper column? I owe readers a clear statement of what I will do and not do. I will not apologize for writing about Soros. I will not bow to those who have wrongly defamed me. I will continue writing my column. The left doesn't like my politics. I get that. I don't like theirs much either. But those who follow me on social media know that I do not personally criticize my colleagues for their politics. I try to elevate their work, and I tell disgruntled readers who don't like my colleagues' politics that it takes a village. Well, John Cass, I applaud you for standing up to this mob. I do. I don't know how long your column's going to remain in the Chicago Tribune because people who are willing to speak their mind and go against the narrative that the left is pushing, orange man bad, Trump must go, hydrochloroquine's no good, listen to the WHO or else you are definitely pissing off a lot of people and I wish you well in your career and in your personal life because we know what the leftist mobs will do to somebody like this. I mean, hey, I've just got a little podcast. This guy has a column in the Chicago Tribune. That is a serious platform, as much of a rag as the Tribune has become. And thank you, sir, for using it to tell the truth, no matter who doesn't like that truth. And this wouldn't be the Random Thoughts podcast if I didn't point out that Major League Baseball is back. And I will admit, watched a few games. And overall, the insanity of what could be going on on the field, I'm not really seeing much. They're just playing the game, and I appreciate that. But Major League Baseball is already in the midst of some major issues when it comes to COVID-19 as just three games into the season. The Marlins whole team pretty much has given a positive COVID test. So there's that. They've already canceled their games through the week. They've also had the Phillies cancel games because a clubhouse employee that worked the Marlins side is tested positive. The Yankees canceled game. I mean, there was a whole bunch of stuff already canceled. And with this happening in the first week, if it's not able to be controlled quickly, I think the whole season for Major League Baseball could be quickly disappearing before it even really gets started due to COVID. There's no doubt COVID's real. There's no doubt there's a few players that I heard talk about having this, and they ranged from the nothing of a guy like the White Sox, Yuan Mancata, 
who said all he really had was the loss of smell and the loss of taste for a few days, but never really felt bad. Otherwise, to Freddie Freeman, who talked about having the COVID-19 and having a fever of over 104 and being afraid to go to sleep because he thought he was going to die. So these are healthy guys, even young healthy guys can have very bad reactions to this virus. It's a serious thing, and it's not magically going away. I mean, baseball is doing some interesting things, like the announcers not going to the games, which I think is fantastic, and it may change the way baseball announcing is done moving forward because you no longer even have to go to the ballpark. I mean, hell, I could be a baseball announcer if I could sit at home and sit in front of a microphone and call the games. And the sad thing is you can't really tell the difference because the reality is the guys calling the games get way more information looking at a computer monitor in their booth than they do actually looking out at the game. And it's really not that weird of a thing, I suppose, if you know that the early days of baseball radio broadcasts were done by tape. They were done by ticker tape. So the game was going on. What was going on in the game? was sent via ticker tape to the studio where it was announced along with sound effects. So if somebody was like, hey, Babe Ruth hit a home run, somebody would do the sound effect in the booth. That would sound like the baseball being hit. There was the crowd noise. Everything was all done in the studio. It was all being recreated just from reading the script that they got from what was going on. The extra inning rules, I really don't like. With this shortened season, and this is something you know they're going to keep because that's what Major League Baseball does. So if you get to extra innings, you start with a guy on second base because, you know, the beauty of baseball was always that we have to get it done really, really quick. I guess I'm too much of a purist. I enjoyed those few games that go the distance. Some of these games would go 16, 18, I mean, 20 plus innings. I understand. It's a little inconvenient, I mean, especially in times of COVID, I suppose, but those were the games that went down as legends. Now, the odds are the game's not going to make it past the 11th inning because of starting with the runner on second base and nobody out. But hey, I'm still seeing high fives. I understand how this is going to pass from players if they have the virus and maybe baseball just needs herd immunity and that's easier said than done. The Astros and the Dodgers already brawling. I mean, there's no better way to social distance than to get everybody out on the field and start jawing at each other. The blackouts still exist for MLB TV. So, of course, you have to know how to go get a VPN or the unlocator or another service that screws with your DNS enough where you can watch your team's home game without having to worry about having a cable subscription or something like that. And I have friends here in the Chicago area. Big Cub fans that their local cable service doesn't have the new marquee network that the Cubs are on. I mean, that there's nothing better for baseball than making it hard for people to consume your product. Nothing better. You guys are doing a great job when it comes to marketing. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how the things go in baseball. We're giving them a little bit of a pass right now. I have a feeling this season's not going to quite go as planned for them. But moving on, I mean, Ozzie Guillen, my favorite guy, my favorite manager of the White Sox, he kind of sounds like he wants to get back into this managerial thing. And as much as I'm on the outs with MLB right now, if Ozzie came back, I would be all in. Just telling you that, MLB. Ozzie Guillen as a manager, very entertaining. 
Also entertaining if you like to watch House members acting like petulant children. Well, then you can watch the Attorney General Barr. I mean, they called it a testimony, right, or a hearing, but they didn't really let him talk much. They just kind of threw accusations at him, wouldn't let him talk. Nadler wouldn't give him a five minute break at one point. And I thought Barr did a great job, was a badass through the whole thing and made the Democrats look bad even though they think they're all tough and doing their big thing, not really working. Britt Hume, longtime journalist with Fox News and others that I really like. He's a guy that seems to be truthful and non-biased. I mean, even though we know they all these guys have their bias, he's a guy that usually will tell the truth no matter what. And he tweeted this out after the AG Barr debacle. Quote, people wondering why we don't have better presidential choices than we are getting this year should think about the bar hearing. Why would people of quality and ability want to expose themselves to the poisonous climate of our political life today? It's a good question, and it does explain maybe exactly why the candidates are getting worse and getting worse, because it is a crap show up and down the line, cancel culture, petulant children, all crying that they're not getting a fair shake and never standing up and learning that you need law and order, not learning that you need to follow the rules. We are a nation of laws after all. Politics reflects the society. And right now, the society is not looking very good at all. But I hope you're enjoying what you're getting here on the Random Thoughts podcast. We are closing in on episode 100, and that's kind of an exciting thing for me with this being a solo show. It is a whole lot of fun to do. I think I'm getting a little bit better as we go along with the format. I mean, I'm getting more comfortable to the point where I even think I can go and do these things live on the No Agenda stream. So we may start doing that a little bit more, but we appreciate everybody that supports the show in all sorts of different ways. Monetarily, of course, is a big way to show support for the show. And this episode, we have Bruce City Mike coming in with $24 and a note that says, I can't believe no one threw a bone your way on the last show. Here's some cheddar, bud. We appreciate it, Bruce City Mike. I mean, this is a different kind of podcast that I get it. It's a smaller group of people that are listening then listen to grumpy old Ben's that I do with Ryan Bemrose. And I'm okay with that. This is a little bit of a different show. It's more personal. I know people only have so much time in their week to listen to podcasts. I put out a lot of content, but I appreciate when people do come in and show support for the show. Every now and then we get one that doesn't have any donations at all. And that's okay too, because we get people like uh, Andy in Australia, who gave me a shout out saying he really enjoys the show. And now he has a a possum or something in his truck. So if anybody knows how to get a possum or an animal out of a vehicle, you might want to talk to uh, Andy in Australia. But we appreciate people that comment. We appreciate people that email us through Twitter and all that. We also had a donation from Sir Sammy came in with 1111 that has to signal something somewhere, no doubt about it lucky 11s and he just says keep up the good work and we appreciate you for supporting the show sir sammy and for listening and everybody for coming along for the ride 
If you haven't subscribed yet, do me a favor. Go to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com. Click one of those subscribe buttons. And if you want to partake in the value for value system and throw some value back, if you think you got something out of this podcast, whatever that is, you can send some value back to us by clicking on the donation button or by using the QR code for Bitcoin or the P.O. box address that is listed on the site. All of those very much appreciated. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so at Darren at randomthoughts.com. You can do so on Twitter at random podcast, R-A-N-D-U-M-B podcast, or Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. And you can look at the previous show notes or my address over on Talks if you want to jump on that messenger service as well. Have a good week. We'll be back next Wednesday. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.